Hello, the internet, and welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast, where my compadres and I get to select one film, one album, and a top five list each week to be reviewed and discussed over a pint or two. I hope you'll join us for a drink and some daft chat about pop culture. My name is Will Holden, and today I am joined by Mark Wall. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. And I'm also joined by Andy Malbin. How are you? I'm A-OK. Thanks, buddy. Excellent. Uh, we are here once again to talk about a movie, an album, uh, and this week, a quiz that I'm going to set for you both uh, to compete over my affections. Uh, but first and foremost, we'll talk about the film um, my choice this week was The Platform from 2019. I'm going to butcher all of these names. There you go. Directed by Galda Gatstalu Urutia. Been practicing that of you in front of the mirror. Absolutely Just seamless. <laughs> I'm going to edit that so it sounds like I said it in one, one perfect <laughs> sentence rather than like a five-year-old learning to read. Um, it stars again. Sorry, no, no wonder we left you. you. <laughs> I'm enjoying this a lot. Uh, Ivan Masagay, Antonia San Juan, Zorian El Guilero, Emilio Boal, Alexandra Masanque. They all feel spoke remarkable English for uh, for what it sound like. Russians. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch did you watch subs or dubs? I just watched whatever it was defaulted to, which was dubbed. Interesting. I, I watched subbed. I did too. Might have a different experience. Um, but I'll give you the IMDB pitch. This one's quite this one's quite good. A vertical prison with one cell per level, two people per cell, only one food platform and two minutes per day to feed. An endless nightmare trapped in the hole. Nice. And that's all you get. So I picked the platform because I'd seen the trailer for it ages ago. I quite like a sort of allegory story. And this kind of reminded me of things like Snowpiercer. And uh, I thought it would be a film that'd have that sort of sci-fi bent sideways glance at class and greed and that type of thing. I must admit it turned out not being quite what I thought it was. But overall, I thought it was all right. I thought the acting was pretty good. It's quite hard in subs, I think. You kind of don't get the delivery. I'd read what they were going to say often before they said it, and you don't get that marriage between kind of performance and, and line. But overall, I thought the acting was pretty good. It's not a like brilliant-looking film, but that's kind of not the point. <laughs> it takes place almost entirely in a concrete room. 
I thought they kind of undersold the message in the end. Like I was on board for it at the beginning and I think the film loses it as it gets on. That's my major problem with it. Um, I, I can't say I enjoyed it. Like the, I, I kind of agree with you, Will. Like I like the idea of it. I like that that kind of moralistic story. Um, it's really grim. I watched it in two halves and I whinge to other people about watching films like broken up because I feel like it just ruins the momentum of the films. I almost always watch films start to finish, but I got about halfway through. It was just like, I, re- I just don't, I just don't want to watch this now. <laughs> so it's I stopped it. Start to went back to it. Yeah, it's super grim. Um, I didn't realize it was quite as horror influenced as it was. I can see loads of positives about it, and I'm quite happy to talk about them. But it is a, a classic example of a film that's not done anything wrong. It is just really not in my wheelhouse. I think having done this podcast, I've slightly warmed towards horror, things like Midsummer. I've opened my mind a little bit more to horror, but I agree with you. It was the the leanings into its kind of horror part is the bit that I liked less about this film. What did you think, Mark? Uh, pretty much with you, Andy, on this one. I thought it was an effective film, like eliciting a visceral response. But when that visceral response is discussed, I don't know that that's a positive thing. I just, it's really icky, like to the point where it's just not enjoyable for me. It sort of reminded me of, for obvious reasons, I suppose, in some respects, of watching a half of Cannibal Holocaust, which was put on at uni with a group of people once, and I had to leave the room about halfway through it. I just wasn't enjoying it, couldn't take it. It was far too effective at what it was doing. This one, I stuck stuck it out. And the second half, you kind of get into the mode of just, fine, this is what it is. And, and Will, you're completely correct. I think clearly there's social commentary and stuff, but the only real message I took from it was just humans mostly suck. Yeah. I don't know if there was anything deeper than that. <laughs> I, can, I kind yeah. of agree. Like I feel like the ending's kind of confusing. It feels like it's a film that, had a strong message that I just didn't quite get. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was really set yeah. up to kind of be a like commentary on on class and like the main guy is kind of labelled like a communist for wanting to share the food out and that sort of thing. But by the end of it, I don't, that, that message just, I don't know what it was trying to nail with the message really. Do you know what I think it might be is that the the reason for the whole existing the explanation we're given is kind of vague and I don't know, just kind of not quite, not, not very believable as a reason. And maybe that was on purpose, but I think it's got quite a, a obvious analog in something like Snowpiercer, which is a sci-fi about the class system. You're either on the train and you're alive or you're not and you're dead. So it gives a, a reason for all of these people to be in one place together. This gives a reason that that the administration are doing it to try and force spontaneous solidarity, I think is what they say. I just can't buy into the fact that this is some broad social experiment. And because the context of why they're there doesn't make sense, I don't think, how can the message kind of work? I didn't really think think about the the context of the world much. It wasn't a mega important part of it. Like, actually, I don't think they necessarily needed to show the backstory of... Like uh, Goreng, Goreng, the main guy, 
his name? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think right. they. I don't think they needed to show the backstory of him like volunteering to be in there, like compared to some people who were there because it was their like sentence. I think that's why I needed the context. Is because he volunteered, he's getting something out of it. He's getting a diploma. But what are the people who are putting him in there getting from people volunteering to go in? Like, why put people in if they were all criminals? That makes sense in and of itself. Like, it could be a horrific prison. But as soon as you kind of know that he's volunteered to go in, it bugged me and I had to know why, like what, what's the purpose of it. And when the purpose was revealed, it was a bit of a letdown. I think like Mark said, though, it is really effective. And I do have some appreciation for that. I bought into Goreng's struggle. Yeah, I didn't understand really they refer to sending a message. Initially, they're going to try and reserve the pudding or whatever and send that up. Obviously, if they send something else up, he's convinced that that will send the message that will change things. I, d- I don't understand how it would. Yeah, so my read, I think like the panna cotta would have been a more obvious message, turning away the food. Yeah, that I, that I understood as a message. And it seemed to be some kind of fever dream, essentially, by the end with the child. Yeah, I think with the child, I mean, I'm not entirely sure she was real. Um, for a start the woman who he ends up with as his like second cellmate who turns out to be the person who interviewed him to go in in the first place says to him that nobody under 16 is in the hole so that was kind of the line that I I drew between those two bits is they can present to somebody on zero that like there seems to be an idea that the outside world are not aware of how terrible it is in the hole I I think as well like the amount of times that that woman whose child it supposedly was, had gone up and down on the platform. There's there's no explanation as to why she didn't at some point see her child. Wasn't the, the implication I took was that she kept on going up and down because she was getting food for the child. That was, could be a read. That isn't but, something I'd considered. I, I think when you're first introduced to her, though, like Goring's cellmate, the first cellmate, says that she's searching for her child that she came into the cell with. Whether that you might be right, like maybe that changed. I also thought that she may have given birth to the child whilst in there. Yeah, but again, I just yeah, all these all these little bits and pieces. I just I don't know what it added up to. I don't know what the point was. I think if it nailed its message, I wouldn't be so worried about the details. I, I don't really need them answering. There are some things I liked about it. I think the like hallucination scenes with. Um, when he kind of sees his two previous cellmates and the conversations that he has with them. And obviously because he isn't interacting with anyone really until he meets that other guy, um, it's the entire way that you kind of get his like mental well-being or like his thought process. I thought that was quite quite an effective way of doing it. And like it's it really rockets through the story, although you can't say that a million things happen in it, but it never feels like it's slowing down in pace. Like, and and I, I like that, like there isn't a lot of sort of downtime in it. But yeah, the, things like the, the cannibalism and stuff is just, I, I've, I don't have a strong stomach for that sort of thing. I found it just incredibly difficult to watch. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel as strongly, like I, it's not something I, I like or enjoy, but... It doesn't. It doesn't affect me as much, I guess. Yeah, it's just unpleasant in general because it, it is a prison. Ultimately, they can call it a social experiment, but it's a prison, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just kept waiting for someone to come up with a kind of plan to escape and that, that just never materializes, which is different. I mean, it separates it from other things of the same ilk, but yeah, I just think the ones you mentioned, Will, like Snowpiercer, High Rise is another one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but similar ideas there as well with the, you know, class and whatnot. Those are just more entertaining on a on a basic level. As I, I say, I think I think this one's effective, but what it's effective at is just not particularly appealing to me. Yep, completely agree. I, I do think there are genuine criticisms of the film as a like a review standpoint, but a, a lot of the reasons. <laughs> A lot of the criticisms are just down to what I look for in a film, and it just doesn't hit any of those. I think I agree with you, Mark. I think I expected there to be, I don't know, not necessarily a happy ending, but but a bit more of a positive twist on the end, uh, at least an idea that something gets better. Because if we buy into the idea that I, I think we mostly agree that like the little girl's probably not real, then in the end, there is no message and they did it all for absolutely nothing <laughs> and nothing changes. Like it, if that's the case, then it ends just as bleakly as it, as it starts. I think you need something to lift the bleakness. And that, that could come in the form of like kinship, like characters teaming up and sort of, you know, you get a slight gist of it a couple of times, particularly with the, um, uh, the black guy at the end. I don't know his it's name. Baharat, I think he was yeah. called. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed the fact that, you know, there was actually, like, briefly some hope and they seemed to be achieving something. Yeah. But it's all very short-lived. I thought the most effective character, I suppose, was his initial cellmate. Again, yeah, I, watched I, thought... the du- I watched the dubbed version, but he was he was pretty hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, even in subs, like I said, I think it ruins some of the timing. But I, I enjoyed watching him. He seemed fun, you know you know gross way yeah <laughs> i just i don't i don't feel there's a hell of a lot to say about it as well it's just you know no, i think it's the entire film revolves around its point i think because we've all said that it misses its point <laughs> a lot more to it no i think a good ending would have made the process worthwhile for me even if i didn't enjoy it because it's a film that's yeah set up so much with a kind of message and i don't know what the message was I, I didn't enjoy the process and it missed the mark for me no, that's fair enough there was some like you know weird sci-fi stuff which it doesn't really get into but like how are the floors changing how do they move from place to place yeah, how's the platform moving like you know all, all of this stuff it, i thought about that at one point like it, it doesn't because it literally just seems to show them waking up but then occasionally they seem to be strapped down and stuff that they're not sometimes like I don't it, it never explains the process at all does it really no it, it doesn't show anything like the, the closest it shows is his interview with the lady who doesn't really seem to know that much more about it either I don't know no. it's, it's it's potentially interesting the stuff they don't go into like I kind of like the idea that it's like you know future aliens or whatever studying humankind that's it I can see a film that just goes a different way and works. I actually quite like the it's the couple of scenes that they showed of like the chef like preparing the food. Uh, and they, <laughs> it really is preparing a like gourmet feast. Like there's the scene where he like absolutely berates somebody trying to find out like who's yeah. hair. 
uh, has been in the in the food. I actually quite enjoyed those scenes. Like I thought they were kind of. But I was going to say fun. That's not really accurate <laughs> by the tone of the film, but more, certainly more enjoyable. Yeah, they <laughs> felt yeah, like they could be part it. of a of a different film, um, couldn't they? I think, and I yeah, I like those as well. But again, I think it might be a missed opportunity. I'd like to know what they think about what they're doing. Like, how do they feel about preparing this food that is sort of part of this experiment, or are they forced to do it, or? another kind of avenue that could have been taken that they don't really dangle any carrots do they of like the wider world or anything like that as you say it feels like a missed opportunity yeah let's go for the scores i want to step in i'm gonna go with a four you know i definitely wouldn't watch it again let's put it that way i'm gonna go with a four as well the last third of the film lost me in the fact that it's like super brutal and also that I don't think it nails its, its point. Fair play. I'm going to be a little bit more generous and give it a five. Right. Well, with that uh, put to bed, uh, we'll talk about my album choice, which was Largo by Brad Meldow. It's an hour and five minutes long. Um, I have recently been getting more and more into, I guess, what you might call contemporary jazz. Um, And this was my my gateway drug, I suppose. And I've been aware of this album for a number of years, and I keep sort of dipping back into it. But until I've picked it for this, I've not really sat down and give it a full-on listen through. And the result is... I don't think it's a perfect album, but when it works, it really works for me. And I think it works more often than it doesn't. What do you guys think? I was familiar with it from renting it from the library back in the day. Classic. I think that was on the basis because I was a Radiohead nerd, but it had a Radiohead cover on it, which is pretty sad, but whatever is what it is. So I, I kind of remember sort of half liking it and I could remember a couple of tunes, namely the Radiohead cover and Dusty McNugget. Yeah. Um, didn't remember anything else. So coming back to it years later, because I haven't listened to it in between whatsoever and we're talking what, when, when did you say it came out? 2002. Came out. Wow. So I'd have been 14, I think. Jesus, that's a long bloody time. Okay. I didn't, so, I didn't hear I mean, it if I you 14. rented it, if you rented it from the library, then it probably wasn't a year ago. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not my usual, it's not my usual place to go and get music. Exactly. The library for a quick rental. <laughs> <laughs> well, all that unnecessary preamble is to say that I'm kind of the same as well. I think I like it. I don't think it's brilliant. I think it starts strong. Like, I think the first track is the best track on the album overall. I don't know that I agree that more of it is good than... It's not that any of it is bad, but I think, like, the highlights, there's probably four or maybe five tracks that I rate, like, quite highly. 
gotcha. and the rest I, th- I think some of it is kind of you know just yeah whatever it's just kind of noise there's definitely a few moments where it gets it kind of crosses that line into just being a bit more avant-garde than mm-hmm. i want yeah um, exactly for the most part he corrals that and on repeat listening i've grown more and more kind of appreciative and and have enjoyed that sporadicness a bit more mm-hmm. but i agree there are definitely times when it's it's more than i can get over <laughs> in this album i didn't i struggled a little bit with it to be honest and i think i mentioned to you that i don't think i've given it enough of a listen but i don't think it would really change my opinion so it doesn't matter massively i find it kind of cool for about five minutes and then i'm really done with it and i don't mean just this album i kind of mean the like contemporary jazz thing as a whole like i've got a bit of an appreciation for jazz but this kind of isn't it i get the feeling that the like the songs are songs are built around a theme aren't they and then there's i presume a huge amount of it is just recorded live and it's improvised and yeah the kind of description of noise is like pretty accurate to my ears i guess didn't really do a huge amount for me i don't know whether i would say that the first half is that much stronger than the second half or whether i just got so tired of it by the time i got around to the second half of it because i'd agree with you mark i like the first track i really like uh, dusty nugget actually that's probably my favorite track but yeah i just i really i really struggle i don't think i ever listened to the album start to finish i don't think that's a necessity though i, I kind of no reach this a little bit with the uh the film score one I, I suppose it'd be nice to think that a great album you just listen to start to finish but let's be realistic here how often do we actually do that for me at least it's not that often i'll listen to a few tracks pick it up later on in the day maybe it depends on the circumstances but i don't think it's a necessity to be like i have to listen from minute one to over an hour of music all in one go yeah yeah as I a concentrated that, sure, listen but having said that, I do agree with your criticisms as well. I just, I will give it a bit of credit by saying I don't think it's, uh, to me, I'm quite happily to walk, walk around doing some like housework or like cooking, whatever, and have it on like speakers, not paying like a huge amount of attention to it, but it's it's nice to have in the background, I think. And it jumps out occasionally and that's, that's okay. Yeah, see, I, I think, I think I'm just more negative than that, I guess, because I didn't, I didn't enjoy it enough as background music to have it, you know, like I just, I didn't quite enjoy like the overall sound enough. So I've spent quite a bit of time with this album sort of on and off over uh, a number of years listening to it. And it has grown for me to a point where I like it sort of a good amount. As I say, there are, there are bits in it that I think are less good, but I think the first three tracks are great. Uh, I think both of the covers on here, are pretty fun i mean it helps that they both have really strong existing melodies anyway but i like the sort of play around that he does on it i think i like just the way brad meldow plays and his kind of voicing and the sort of deftness of touch the points he chooses to go a bit wild and then to often pull it back round into quite harmonic the sort of the head themes of most of the songs I really like for the most part.
so yeah i think for most of the songs i kind of have become more accustomed to listening to it and i'm getting more much more enjoyment out of it because of that i think one of the things i would say as a general point because it's obviously piano led um i think deft is a good word will for the way he he plays i I do like his playing but there's a lot of kind there's not really that often a focus on clear defined melodies due to its nature i guess because he's he's basically you know i mean yeah fine there's there's bass but he's basically doing the bulk of the of the work really of of filling in the mix yeah sometimes it's supplemented by a few sort of horns or something like that but there's pretty much most of the time it is just that right this is this is it it's just a piano piece yeah I think and that's as fair. such it's it's lacking for me it lacks like defined melodies a lot of the time it's just a bit kind of yeah meandering it just goes all over the place and that that can be fun when it's just cutting loose but sometimes you need to have a bit of a tune and i think the first song has a couple of really nice sort of melodies Dusty McNugget, which I enjoy a lot because it's got a hell of a groove to it and it's just cool. Great name. Um, yeah, great name as well. <laughs> um, but other than the... Uh, da, 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 like, I don't know what the tune is to it. It's just like no. kind of a cool groove. 100% agree. Again, like that's, that's a criticism of the... Well, it's not even a criticism. It's just that I don't particularly like the style. That's a stylistic thing. Like That is very much like in keeping with the world that he, <laughs> the genre world that he's in. It just isn't something that I like. Yeah, I, I, yeah, 100% agree. Just it's lack of like defined melody a huge amount of the time is why I don't massively enjoy it as like background music, I think. Because you said, Mark, like your ear gets drawn back in. I guess I just don't find that that much. Like there are songs on here, I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm going to call it Drops. But the fourth track is, I think, is the most egregious example of it just being like raw, improvised jazz. And yeah, all of your criticisms, I agree with you on that specific track. Ones like Sabbath, I think is just sort of okay. Uh, That one doesn't catch my ear quite the same way because it doesn't have those moments of kind of lush jazz chords that I think songs like when it rains, which I agree, Mark is absolutely one of the best on the album. But Franklin Avenue as well, I think, has some really nice. Like, yeah, Franklin uh, Avenue is decent. Yeah, um, and then you have like Free Willy, which I quite like that one. I, I do too, <laughs> despite it not uh, yeah. like not really being a song. I, I can imagine it being a bit in a film. Like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm taking it because of the name, but it sounds like it's <laughs> underwater. Uh, it's just a more it, interesting soundscape on that one. Yeah. That's enough for me. I think those kind of little breakups are enough for me to keep it interesting. Although Mm. my favorite songs probably are the ones that are the most kind of basic jazz led. I think the last two songs are really good as well. I said it right at the start, you know, the thing, the reason I listened to it all those years ago was because of the Radiohead cover. (laughs) 
it's uh, you said it's got a strong like melody that one so instantly it's recognizable and it's it's nice for the first two minutes and it's nine minutes long and it they, is nine minutes long <laughs> yeah they don't they don't nail the the heavier sections i don't really think as soon as it departs from the opening i just i don't really think it works I like those bits, but that's fair. I think, I mean, you could sort of say similarly about Dear Prudence, couldn't you? I mean, that is five I and a half that minutes. That one's unremarkable, yeah. Long. I like them well enough because I like the melodies in them. But, I mean, when it rains, I don't know, I really, really like that song a lot. I think that. I think it's it's so, it's so you know, far away the best on there. Because immediately it, it starts and it's got like what to me just sounds like a, a classic melody. Mm. like a classic jazz melody the first minute or so you know could have been from the 50s and a classic jazz record and then it goes into a bit more of a contemporary vibe but still has nice melody i mean that that track alone kind of lifts this album probably an extra point for me really it's an interesting point about the contemporary jazz thing in general because I dabble in a few artists, and funnily enough, this has actually made me now solidify the fact that I'm going to pick another contemporary jazz record for next time. So we'll see if there's any difference with that. But I will say I do think a lot of it is kind of hit hit or miss, really. Yeah, it is a sort of music that when you find that kind of odd person or trio or whatever that kind of hit whatever it is you're looking for, then I think it mm. works re- like really, really well. You mentioned some of the kind of brass accompaniment earlier mark i mean it is kind of infrequent but when it's in i really like the sound of it like it's a very subtle kind of moody brass and i i do really like it i've not looked it up but i think there might be a bit of like quite a bit of french horn in the uh in the brass because it's a super like warm brass sound. yeah I love it's a very horn. lovely sound yeah, French horn's just gorgeous it's just that nice sound bed isn't it and i i agree it adds adds a lot when it's there I don't think I go first very often, so I will kick it off. And I'm going to give it an eight. I really like When It Rains, Dusty McNugget, and the last two songs, Wave, Mother Nature's song, and I do. And I just, yeah, really like his playing. Yeah, good, strong eight. Strong eight, interesting. Okay. Well, fair play, man. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll give it a six. I, I am positive on it. I think I, I would listen to... It again, but only ever really in the background. Six is good. Six is a good score. I'm happy with that. Positive score. Positive score. Absolutely. I'm only going to go down one from that. Going to give it a five. I do like track one. I do like track three. Uh, And I do quite like track nine, but I don't really know why. Well, it's all in the middle and upwards. So I'm going to take that as a broad win. Okay, so we'll move to the third and final portion of the episode. And instead of doing a top five list this week, I'm going to set you both a quiz. Uh, The format I've lifted basically wholesale from another podcast. Um, 
but nobody listens, so who cares? Uh, it's the Rotten Tomatoes quiz. I'm going to go through and ask you to give me either the lowest or highest rated film of a series of categories. So I'll give you the category, whether it's the lowest or the highest. You'll present your two answers. Let me give you the first question, see how you feel. So question number one, I want the lowest rated film scored by John Williams. The lowest rated. Absolutely no idea. Not, not a, I don't know where to start. I, have to, I, do, <laughs> I, I will jump straight in, 1941. Okay, 1941. Might as well just give Mark the points for this. I have absolutely no idea where to go. For a start, I'm really struggling to think of any film that John Williams has scored. <laughs> which is, isn't brilliant. Which isn't, yes, super popular and commercially successful. Commercially successful doesn't always mean it's rated well. Um, Including... Did he you score? I can't, I can't spend this long on every answer. Did he score all with the? I'm trying to think of like just the third in a series. Sure. Jurassic Park three. He didn't do that. Yeah, it was a guess. He did do two. That should have gone with that, shouldn't I? He still can. I'm going to give you two because Mark still wins the point. So the Lost World. Jurassic Park scored 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, 1941 scored 42%. Mark wins the first point. Okay. Beautiful. Question two. I want the highest rated film starring Val Kilmer. Right, Andy, I'll let you go first on this one. I mean, it seems fair. That does seem a good rule. Yeah, go back and forth. Sure. 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 I'm gonna go. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Okay, Marco. Heat. Interesting. Interesting. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Heat, 87%. It was in the 1%. Unbelievable. Marco wins the point. That's some great answering. That's uh, that's wonderful stuff. Absolute sickener. I thought this is going to be a good answer. Might be the only good answer that I get in this entire quiz. Mark nicks it by one. Ugh. Repetition of answers because obviously some categories will like cross over. I want the, so the third question Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> I want the lowest rated film with the number two or Roman italic, or Roman numerals two in its title. Okay. I feel like there's going to be tons of good ones for this. There's got to be. Sorry, lowest or highest? Lowest. Yeah, lowest. Okay. I am going to go for Piranha 2, directed by James Cameron, I believe. 
I'm sure this, I'm sure this was an actual film. Titanic 2. Because I'm sure it was just called Titanic 2. Hmm. Not quite sure how to mark that. Titanic 2 appears to not have a Rotten Tomatoes score. Okay. Um, do you have a second option? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an existing film. And I think on any other day of the week would have been a wonderful answer, but yeah, it is Titanic Two. It does exist. Mm-hmm. Two thousand and ten. Yeah. And I assume as like truly awful, but yeah, yeah, a bit upset by that. I just googled it to make sure it actually existed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has a fifteen percent audience score. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give you the audience score as the tiebreaker. I was going to say, then, would it be fair to do the audience score for Mark's film? But either way, it doesn't matter because Piranha 2, The Spawning, got 6% on Rotten Tomatoes and 11% on the audience score. So I'm afraid would have won on either count. It's fine. I'm not going to throw yeah. in a second answer. You can just take the uh, you can just take the audience score for it. Mark's got a, a fairly commanding lead so far. It certainly does. It certainly does. The, quest- the fourth question, this might be a tricky one. The highest rated... Uh, video game movie. It's a film based on a video game franchise, but I want the highest rated. I can't think of any good films based on video games. They don't have to be good, they just have to be higher than one. I know, yeah, that's what what (laughs) I'm thinking. I I can't get past Tomb Raider at the minute, but there must be something better. Uh, Is that what you want to go with? I mean, at least it's not horrendous. It's. I mean, it's a right answer. So yeah, it's watchable. I'm going to well, ask which which one is the question. Are we talking 2001 Angelina Jolie or 2018 yeah. I didn't Alicia, know there was a Vikander. Alicia Van Vikander? Okay, well, I didn't know there was a 2018 one, so uh, Angelina, which may have knocked me down in points, but I've got to be honest about it. We'll check the other one. We'll see. Okay. I've got one, but I'm not sure that it will have enough reviews critically. Okay. Um, in fact, I'm going to change it to something that I think will. I'm going to go for the Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two, the animated movie. Okay. Remember, this is the highest. I'm afraid Lara Croft Tomb Raider is 20%. Yeah, I didn't, didn't think it would be good. I don't think it'd be that bad. Felt like it was at least a 30. Again, you're right. Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, does not have enough critical reviews. Are we... Okay, I'll come up with something else. I mean, okay. it's not going to be difficult, is it? Let's just, let's just rub it in, shall we? Tomb Raider 2018. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to stand against it. 52%. It wins by being <laughs> mediocre. Excellent. I feel like I had an unfair advantage there. We can um, void that one if you wish. Nah. Well, whether to uh, try and leave it a clean sweep at this point. How many are we playing <laughs> up to? About 50. I hope so. This is a great game. 
I've got I've got fourteen and then a I've got fourteen and then a tiebreaker. I thought it was possible it could end in a draw. And I mean, there's enough to say it still could. Mm. But the tra- the trajectory isn't on your side just at the moment. There's plenty of time. Question five. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a bit of a race to the bottom. I want the lowest rated film starring Sandra Bullock. There are some honkers. Ah, but I've, I've seen so few of them. Is it me to go? No, it's you to go. Yeah, and you might be back in the game here. Um, oh, there's one I can think of, which is quite... I can't remember the bloody name of it. Um, what is it? It's like, it sounds like Miss Conspiracy or something. Alec. I've got such a good answer that I'm annoyed. Well, no, maybe not such a good answer, but I'm annoyed that you're going first. Right, I'm I'm just going to go out the blue for a film that I haven't seen. Um, and it's probably not that bad, so this might get you back in the game. I'm going to go for The Lake House. Oh, I've just thought of another one that I have seen that's really bad. Ah, oh, it's going to annoy me. you got to pick. Yeah. The thing is also, I can't 100% remember the title of it. I'm sure it's called like The Network or something like that. It's about a computer. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Not what I'm going to pick. I'm just going to okay. go. I'm just going to go speed two. I think that's the answer right there, mate. Are you trying to think of Miss Congeniality? Yes. <laughs> I think what did I say? I can't remember. But there's a Miss Congeniality 2 as well. I was, that's that it, happened. which is what I wanted to go for. Which I think is also supposed to be awful. But yeah, yeah. The, I think... I'd watch, one... a, I'd watch Miss Conspiracy, though. Miss Conspiracy, <laughs> yeah, super. The, I wish I could remember what that film was called, though, the uh, the like computer-related one, because I watched it and it was so bad. It's got to be a low <laughs> score. It's so awful. Like a hacker's one or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It sounds about right. I'm going to look it up whilst you're... Uh, yeah, do it. The Lake House gets a fairly dismal 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. But okay. Speed 2 gets a glorious 4%. Wow. It is currently the lowest rated film we've seen. And that is one back for Andy. Get in. There it is. You see, Game I'll on. be honest here. I had considered... Speed. I, I haven't watched Speed 2 and I thought she was above it. I didn't think she was in the movie. <laughs> no, yeah, no, big, Keanu's above it. It was yeah, a big thing, it. wasn't it? That Keanu like turned it down even though they offered him ludicrous money to do it. <laughs> and uh, and it was just an absolute like car crash of a film. Could Love it. Could have gone boat crash. That would have been funnier. Dick. Yeah. Right. Question six. I want the highest rated film with a character's name in the title. doesn't have to be the lead character, but it has to be a character within the film. First thought, best thought. It is me, isn't it? Yes, sir. I believe so. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. That's a good shout. I think that's going to be pretty solid. Oh, no. Ever since you mentioned I'm an encyclopedia, my mind's just gone utterly blank. <laughs> <laughs> um, good, good stuff. Cheer right, right I'm, I'm going to go with one which I feel like it should be higher by all rights. And if the critics don't agree, then quite frankly, they're idiots. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Yeah, if you, you should be winning that. 
I don't know. I think I feel like this is going to be tight. I think it might be tight, but I still think you'll win. I, I feel more confident in your. Oh my goodness! Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Wait, you didn't say the Last Crusade, did you? Did you? Yeah, yeah, and the Last yeah, Crusade. Good. Absolutely. Okay. I thought I picked the wrong one. Couldn't pick Raiders because his name isn't in the title. Correct. Yeah, good point. I never really consider that. Right. Eighty-eight percent. Fantastic, okay. Mr. Fox. Ninety-three percent. Another Why? point for Andy. Jesus. Eighty-eight percent. Four three, four two. We stand. What were they watching? Yeah, it's like that, that. <laughs> fantastic, Mr. Fox. Apparently, even I'm out. <laughs> even I'm outraged by that. <laughs> It was it was a very good show. I would have never thought of that, to be honest. So no, yeah. wasn't where my mind went. I mean, I was thinking Curious Case of Benjamin Button because of last week. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I'll be honest. The one springs to mind now. Now it's gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Then they Citizen Kane would have uh, if would when you were talking. I typed, in, I typed in the word citizen because I thought that's where you were going. Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing uh, that's got to be higher. Not that it matters. I think so. I, it, I don't even know that that's technically his name, so that, that wouldn't count for me. Perhaps not. Okay, next one. Again, this could be tricky. I want the lowest rated film directed by Martin Scorsese. What did the critics like the least? That's good. That's... Who, who's first this time? Sorry, I've lost... I think, Mark, you're first this time. Okay. Hmm. I've got a few options. Um, Right, okay. I think this is, should be quite low because it was so bloody boring. Um, I'm going to embarrass myself by forgetting the title. Uh, Kunden? I might need a spelling. I think it's K-U-N-D-U-N. Okay, got you. Kundun, 1997. Again, I just don't know any bad films by Scorsese. (laughs) I'm just going to have to go something that just isn't held up as one of his best films I, I don't know I'm tempted by like the King of Comedy but I love the King of Comedy it's a great film it's kind of um, going to be a battle around the top though isn't it I don't I, I, I'm not sure there is a really terribly reviewed no well I, I'm sure there is I just haven't seen it or know it but I haven't um, seen Condon yet I, I loaded it up and moved off the page so it's going to be as much a mystery to me yet did he direct he directed The Colour of Money didn't he did he direct the scene mm-hmm. That was that was bang average. Well, it's all right. Was yeah, the the color of money is the is the sequel, sequel. to the hustler, and he well, did direct it. Of course, it is. Yeah, sorry. That's that's not a bad shout. Yeah, but it's not bad. it's not terrible. It's all right. Mm. Yes, on it. I haven't got anything better. Color of money. Is that what you want to go for? Yeah, I think it'll be considerably higher. I think you're right, and I think you both may be underestimating. The films, The Colour of Money, 89% at Critics Review. Oh, my God. 
Bloody That's hell. absolutely outrageous. It's a 6 out of 10 at best. Condon, 75%. So you win the point, Bloody but, uh, you know, what it's do, not... Hey, what, it's two sacks. So according to the critics, The Colour of Money is a better film than The Last Crusade. According to the critics, my friend. There was two others that I thought of, which I was considering. Um, He had an early one called Boxcar Bertha. Can you check Mm. that one for me, Will? Ah, Boxcar Bertha, 52%. Damn it, should have gone with it. I mean, you won the point. (laughs) King of Comedy, 89%. I think you'll be pleased, at least, that it matches your own choice. Yeah, excellent. (laughs) Okay, something perhaps more in Andy's wheelhouse. I want the highest rated sports movie. I'm going to be fairly strict. If it's got the outline of a sports movie but isn't about a sport, I'm not going to accept it. Okay. I wish you'd gone lowest. I've got some good low ones. I tried to go the other way. <laughs> the way that would make it harder. Yeah. I'm going to go with... I'm pretty sure this was critically acclaimed as well. I'm mainly picking it because I love it. I'm going to go with Moneyball. What's Moneyball. your response? Poop Dreams. Does that exist? It does exist. 1994. Never Steve James, William Gates, Arthur Agee. It's incredible stuff. Moneyball. Is it Oscar winning, Moneyball? I'm pretty sure it's Oscar nominated. At least nominated. 94%. Yeah. Excellent score. Hoop Dreams, a film I've never heard of. Andy doubted it even existed. Yeah. 98%. Apparently, it's yeah, a near-perfect film. Come on. <laughs> uh, How am I supposed to compete with that? Mark I don't know. pulling that out of his ass. I don't know. I mean, Mark might have just made up that Rotten Tomatoes entry just as the quiz began. <laughs> Mark's, Mark's Gave himself 60, 60 reviews. It was, it was somewhat a cheat because it's a documentary and people just always seem to love documentaries, like, critically which I've always that's slightly a, disagreed with, but you just never, it never seems like a fair comparison, you know? I think that's a good tactic. All right, uh, we are 6-2 as it stands. Still open, though, still open. Still open, we have, uh, well, six questions left. Seven with the tiebreaker. Number nine, I want the lowest rated film released in the 90s. So that's 1990 to 1999. Um, yeah, I think there's a high chance you can take this one, Andy, because I'm not. I've got, if it helps, I've got an answer, but I'm not super confident on it. There's, there's going to be tons of terrible 90s movies. I don't know why I can't get sure. on my head the one I'm thinking of, because I don't, I don't think it will be an amazing scorer, but I don't think it'll be terrible. There's clearly hundreds of worse films. We'll give him a shout out, good old, uh, good old Billy Zane, and we'll go with the uh, the Phantom. I'm sticking with the theory that sequels always get progressively worse. Normally, 
And is it called D3? Mighty Ducks 3. It's pretty oh, I think it might be. Yeah, D3, the Mighty Ducks. It's pretty, pretty bad. Uh, Both, coincidentally, show. from the same year, 1996. The Phantom, 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's not enough. D3, the Mighty Ducks, 20%. Yeah, that's another fair. score for Andy. Oh, I'm keeping that was it a res- terrible pick by me. Keeping it respectable. Okay, Go question number just. 10. We're back to the highest. So I want the highest rated film with a place in its title. Uh, Manhattan. That's a, that's a really good pick. I, I just immediately jumped to Imbruge, but I'm not going with it because I don't think it's taking Manhattan. So I'm going to change to Paris, Texas. I have a feeling this is going to be tight. I'm disappointed I didn't go Gangs of New York, but... No, Manhattan's going to score higher than that. Do you think? Undoubtedly, definitely. Right. I think Gangs of New York might have been low for Scorsese. Do you? Yeah. I think it was that critically well received. Yeah, I think it's great. But Yeah, so do I. Absolutely love uh, it. These are both excellent choices. Manhattan, 94%. Yeah. Paris, Texas has two place names in its title. Such audacity, I nearly disqualified it. But I didn't, and it scored 97%. It's another score for Marco. God, the amount of these that you're taking by, like, two is uh, (laughs) frustrating. Right. Initially, that was all I was going to do. But then I thought, no, I'm going to write some more. So I did. Nice. So question 11. I want the lowest rated film with a colour in its title. Um, I mean, I could be sat here for ages. At the end of the day, I'm just going to go for the first thing that came into my head, <laughs> which is uh, Red State, the Kevin Smith film. Okay, 2011. <laughs> oh, this is so bad. I'm just going to make an absolutely wild guess here. Um, I can't remember this. I just can't remember the name. That's the problem. Um, I got absolutely, I got absolutely nothing. It's a film called The Green Hornet. Not a bad shout. Green Lantern would have been a good one. That was my first it, thought, the, the might, famously bad. It might possibly be what I was trying to think of. Well, Green Hornet scored you 44%. I'll take it. Red State was more appreciated, 60%. Andy wins the point. I mean, that, okay. that's, just, that's just stolen, isn't it? I mean, it did take, I mean, I'm sure we'll edit this, but just to let everyone know, he did spend 21 minutes <laughs> considering yeah in my defense though i did spend a good 15 minutes of that trying to think of the best film with a color in it <laughs> start from the top and work your way down i want the highest rated animated film and you can't use fantastic mr fox again what a waste an absolute waste i think there's loads of these it's just picking the right one is it me to go? It is you to go. The Lion King. 
I'm going to check, is that the 1994 or 2014, uh, 2019 version? 1994, please. Thank you, Marco. Okay. I mean, there's there's just a ton. And I'm tempted to go with something just sort of niche and pretentious because <laughs> I think it would score well high, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go with something that I feel like should be scoring an incredible score because I don't see how anyone could give it a negative review. You could argue the same for Lion King, I suppose, but I'm going to go spirited away. It's another keen battle, as I thought it would be. The Lion King, 93%. I think Spirited Away will beat that. I was hoping for, for a 96, it, a 97. A... It pips here, 97%. It's another score for Mark. 8-4. Mm, 8-4. Eight, four. Yeah, respectable. Yeah. Solid performance. Number 13, lowest rated biopic film. Lowest mm. rated. No, that's tough. The thing is, these are often critically well received and I don't like them. Yeah. On the whole, you've got to try and pick which was critically received the worstest. I think the door is open on this one. Certainly um, is, and I've got nothing in my head at the minute. I'm going to play it slightly safe and go for something which will have scored highly, but I don't know that it will have scored amazingly highly. And just hope that Andy cocks it up. So I'm going to go for My Name is Dolomite. It crossed my mind, I'm not going to lie. Because I don't think it'd be massively... I think it'd be bang average. It's just going to be mid-range, isn't it? Like, I would have thought so, yeah. yeah. Like I could Dolomite is my name, but I'm going to, I'm going to allow... Yeah, it's what, what did I say? My name is Dolomite. No. And you, and you, <laughs> well, I should lose on... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it if it helps, the reason that I'm worried about my film is that I can't totally remember the name of it. There was a Steve Jobs biopic, wasn't there? That wasn't like very well acclaimed very recently. Mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender. There was, there was one that was. There was two. Oh, there was one with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, it's the Kutcher one. I'm one thinking with, of. Yeah. I think it's just called. Uh, I think it's just called Jobs, but it might be called Steve Jobs. I think it's yeah, just the, called the, Jobs. The problem is the Fassbender one. <laughs> it's like. Really highly regarded. Right, I'm, just, like, I'm just going to go with Jobs. I think it's called Jobs. I think I think we should allow it. It is right. My Jobs God. is the Aston Kutcher. Steve Jobs is the Fassbender. Right. Solid. Uh, Jobs got 28. percent It's an uh, excellent choice. Me. Yeah. Well done. It's not even a close run thing. Dolomite 97. percent what? The world was positive about Dolomite is my it name. It's all right, but that is outrageous. That is absolutely 89% Last Crusades. Let's just come back to that. <laughs> I can't let go. So I do only have two questions left, and you're three points behind. Number 14, highest rated film remake of an existing film. So highest rated remake. Alive. Go with the jungle book. Right, this this one's gonna annoy me because I think it's gonna lose, but I've, I've gotta just go with what I actually think is a good remake. 
Uh, so I'm going with John Carpenter's The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing, legendary sci-fi, 86%. Not as good as The Last Crusade. The Jungle Book, 94%. I, I knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah that really, uh, I really played the game on that one, to be honest. No, it was, it was a good shout. Now, for the last question, I say this was intended to be a tiebreaker. And I mean, after a landslide start, actually, 8 6 is pretty respectable. It really pulled it back up. Mm. Uh, the, lot, the, the win is beyond you, but for one more bit of honor, I want you to give me the most berry film you can think of. I want you to get as close to 50% Rotten Tomato score as you can get. Oh, my God. I'm talking average. <laughs> I am going to go for, and it's take your pick of these sequels, really. <laughs> change it. It's a little risky. It's a little risky. I was feeling Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. I'm going to change it to Terminator Salvation. I was thinking, like, maybe Skyfall. I can just see it getting a lot of really, really low scores as well as some decent ones. But, that, but I've had half a feeling Will's going to tell me it scored, like, fucking 87 or something. Yeah, Skyfall's going to be high, man. I'm afraid Skyfall scores you a chunky 92%. Oh, my God, Christ. So you are 42% off the middle. Very close, very close. 40. Mark has dipped... The other way, but not enough. 33% and it's closer to the middle. But that's it. And Mark, congratulations. Mm. You're the winner of our first inaugural uh, Rotten Tomatoes quiz. So next week's picks are yours, Marco. Uh, Tell us what you're picking. Okay, so film-wise, we are going to go with the 1965 Richard Lester film, The Knack and How to Get It. Album-wise, another contemporary jazz record, that being La Sabatous by Yaz Ahmed, which is Y-A-Z-Z-A-H-M-E-D. And finally, the top five will be top five movie taglines. Okay, well, that's all from us at Screed and Needle this week. I hope you'll join us again when we'll review another film, another album, and a top five list. Bye for now. Bye for now.